Welcome back, everyone, to the God Attachment Healing Podcast. I am excited about introducing this new version or new uh, outline of how the podcast is going to run. I shared in the last episode that I wanted to take a more um, biblically integrated approach to how I present and discuss attachment, and specifically with God Attachment Healing. So, uh, we're going to do that today, and I would really love to hear your feedback on it. So, you can comment on the video, you can send an email to slconnect08 at gmail.com, um, or you can just shoot me a direct message. Either one will work. I just want to hear how you like the new format, and I can continue doing that. I, I think you guys will like it, though. Um, as I was preparing for this, I really enjoy kind of the process and what it looks like and how I'm integrating. Um, both the um, biblical aspect, theological aspect, and the psychological aspect into this um, episode. So hope you guys enjoy it. Remember, thank you for tuning in. I know that if you're listening now, you may be a new listener. If you are, hit that subscribe button or follow the podcast, and I'd greatly appreciate that. And don't forget to leave a review. So today, we're going to talk about the anxious attachment style and specifically dealing with this theme that we see in scripture about not being worrisome, right? And we're going to start here with Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. It is a passage that many of us may have been exposed to, maybe know by heart, and have maybe encountered some levels of conflict when trying to apply that verse to daily life, because what it's asking us to do is what is counterintuitive to how we respond to stressful situations, which is to become anxious, right? Because our body alerts us and tells us that, hey, this situation that you're about to encounter is unsure. There's a lot of uncertainty here. How do you prepare for this? Are you prepared for it? So it starts to make your body feel, your think, your mind think different things as to whether or not you have the ability to cope with the stressful situation. So let's go ahead and read this uh, verse, or these two verses. Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. So that very first part of the verse, which is the part that I want to at least introduce the topic with, this aspect of do not be anxious about anything. In today's world where every person, it seems like, is struggling with a level of anxiety that is unmanageable, we have to ask ourselves why, right? Uh, Why are people so anxious today? What makes them anxious? socially anxious people. There's people who are anxious about exams. There's people who are anxious about driving. There's people who are anxious about interacting with their family. There's a lot of different things that make us anxious, job security, finances, all of these different things. And yet when we come to this passage, it talks about not being anxious about anything. So we're going to explore this a little bit more. But first of all, I want to give a background of what is happening here. I mean, who is the author and where or to who are they writing this letter? So obviously, when we talk about the New Testament, a name that's always going to come up is Paul, right? He's definitely the author of this letter. And he's writing this letter as he's imprisoned in Rome. 
So that kind of gives us the context behind, okay, he's telling us not to be anxious. This guy's in prison, right? Paul is in prison and he's telling the people, he's writing this letter to the people of Philippi and he's saying, do not be anxious. And we would think to ourselves, why aren't you anxious when you're in prison and don't know when you're going to be let out? Right. So he's still on this mission of making sure that the people that he is pastoring receive these letters. Right. And again, a big part of this that Paul was facing was persecution and imprisonment. I mean, he faced many challenges and hardships while spreading the gospel. So he had reasons like we would we would understand that for Paul to experience anxiety, like we'd say, OK, we get it, Paul, like that is definitely an anxiety inducing situation. Like, I don't know how you're telling us to not be anxious. I don't know how you're not being anxious, but that would make me anxious, right? <laughs> so so we look at Paul's situation, and he's facing these hardships as he's spreading the gospel, right? He's carrying out the mission that Christ has laid before him, and he's telling the, the people that he is ministering to not to be anxious. So that gives us some context about where his mindset is at and how he's approaching the mission that God has placed on his life, right? In regards to the culture, right, The it's interesting too because the background on Greek culture is that they emphasize self-control, reason, and individualism, right? So they, they the Greeks, would probably emphasize kind of a similar theme about not letting your anxiety control you. Right. They, they would talk a lot about this aspect of self-control and stoicism, in a sense, and using your mind. Right. Reason. How can you think? How can you make sense of the situation that is pretty it, it's pretty harsh and it's a very trying time. And yet you have to remain under control. Right. But again, Paul emphasizes the aspect of not being anxious, but he adds more to it, right? He says, it's not just do not be anxious about anything, right? So he now gives a different solution. He says, by prayer and petition. In Greek culture, right, the, the emphasis was on how you think your way through things, right? They, they really esteemed how people are able to articulate ideas, right? And how people were able to control and manage their emotions. Um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I don't know if I would say reading, but uh, understanding or trying to understand kind of the, the way that the Stoics would process different events. And we would think that they would say, you know, they say, don't feel any emotion. And it wasn't that they had this really interesting way of looking at it where they would say, you can feel the emotion, understand the emotion, identify the emotion, but don't let it control you, right? So again, this emphasis on you have the ability to control and manage that anxiety. And that puts all of the responsibility, in a sense, on the person, which is a good thing, right? At surface level, we see that and we say, okay, that's a good thing, that I'm responsible for how I feel and how I manage my anxiety, so when we go back to um, uh, verse 6 here, Paul says, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And this is extremely important, again, because you're looking at a culture that appreciates this idea of you have you need to have everything together. 
right? You need to be able to reason your way through this difficult situation and find peace. You need to logically work through this situation that you're experiencing, right? And Paul is giving this other this other direction where he's saying you need to depend on God. You need to pray to God and petition to him and be thankful for the things that you have and present your requests to God, right? So it's, <clears throat> he's redirecting their attention, not to self, but to God, their creator, the source of peace and comfort. So again, one of the things that you'll often find in, in at least in modern culture with many supposed pastors is that they will always have a little bit of truth mixed in with this idea of it's all about you, right? Like you're the centerpiece of God's world and you are the one who needs to carry these things out, build yourself up, all of these, you know, self-help ideas. And they sprinkle in dependence on God, but the emphasis is always on the building yourself up and believing in yourself, right? Again, this help, self-help concepts. And Paul avoids that. He, he really does emphasize for us to fully depend on God during these times of struggle, right? Um, so if we look again at the cultural context here, in a culture that emphasizes self-control, reason, individualism, we know that they get a little bit of it, but they may be questioning this idea of, how do I even trust God? So why not just myself? I mean, I have a brain. I'm able to logically think through this problem, find a solution, and manage my emotions. So why do I need to depend on God? And that was part of their that was part of their error, right? Is that they believed that they were intelligent enough to not have to depend on God. And the Roman rule, remember, Philippi was a Roman colony under direct rule from Rome, and it operated under Roman authority, which could have affected a lot of their beliefs and their practices. So again, everything, a lot of things that Paul was teaching the the culture was how to think opposite to it, right? To not keep on thinking the same way that they've been taught. So if you can imagine what it's like to change a culture from the way that they believe their whole lives, and here you write a letter and trying to redirect the way that people are thinking. You know, the benefit here is that when people receive the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart is that now they're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So when Paul presents uh, how to manage their anxiety, the Holy Spirit prompts them to move in that direction, right? So that's a big part of this. And again, this comes back to this, how do we heal in our relationship with God? Like, how can I truly trust God when... Most of my relationships have made me feel insecure, have made me feel unsafe. Um, my relationship with my parents, how I grew up, everything was always questionable. I'd never felt loved or I felt uh, unvalued or I felt uh, rejected. Whatever the case is, those things lead to an anxious attachment style. So it's natural, and I mentioned this in the last podcast episode, it's natural for us to associate those same feelings towards God. Like, how can I trust you, God, when... All of my life, here's what I've experienced, right? And this, I, I can assume, you know, in many ways that this was difficult for uh, people of that day, you know? How can they trust God? I, I was thinking about um, the Israelites when they were leaving Egypt, right? They were under rule 
of Pharaoh, who was basically domineering every area of their lives, right? But they had food and they had resources. That's the way that they explained. So when Moses takes them out of there, they start to complain and say, why do you take us out of a place where we had all of these other things? Now we're going to die here in the desert. But they forget that they were being led by God to the promised land, that he had something better for them, right? So to, again, to change the mentality of a culture that has consumed the beliefs of the authorities that they were under, I mean, that's that's difficult. It's very difficult, but that is exactly what Paul was aiming for. So he says to them, don't worry or don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So, Lord, here's the concerns that I have. Again, when we're talking about God attachment healing, this aspect of prayer has been so powerful, at least in, in my life, and I'm sure in the life of many others. But I think this maybe past year, past two years, this aspect of prayer, I think, was one of the weaker areas in my life. Like, I, I, I know um, key biblical principles of Scripture. I do emphasize a lot of community. I enjoy Christian community. But prayer was hard for me to understand because, and this is what I realized afterwards, that it put me in a vulnerable position. It forced me to depend on God, and, and in a good way, right? Not like, you know, you have to do this, but I had no other resource. I had what I often call a Peter moment. Um, if you remember when when Jesus was um, teaching the crowds, you know, he started getting other followers and disciples, and, you know, at some point they decided to to leave after some of his teachings. And then he asked the disciples, you know, will you leave me too? And uh, Peter responds, Lord, uh, where would I go? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So I had one of those moments where I've exhausted all of my resources, all of my strength, all of my knowledge. I, I don't know what else to do. Lord, guide me in this process. So prayer became such a key part of these last two years where I'm just depending on God and trusting that he is working things out for his good right? Or for the good of me. And um, and that's been a good, powerful lesson to have. Because as in when you have an anxious attachment, you question whether or not God will meet those promises, right? If he's promising something better, and I've never seen something better, I'm not saying that I, that I haven't, I'm saying if that was your experience, or that's been your experience, then it's going to be hard to trust that God has something better for you. And that even though a situation is painful, that you can still walk through that pain trusting in him, right? So presenting all these requests to God. But the key thing here, again, Paul explains what we can do, and then he says what happens. So very next verse, he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, again, think about that, which transcends all understanding. I can't make sense of how I receive the peace of God. It's an interesting part of this verse to think about. It transcends all understanding. Like you could be going through the most difficult situation in your life, and yet within that time, in your dependence on God and your connection to Him through prayer, through community, through His Word, you have this peace. And it doesn't make sense to other people. You know, specifically non-believers, right? It's 
how do you have this peace when you're going through this? Um, and this is the same question that we have and probably the the people from Philippi had, that how is Paul talking to us about peace when he's imprisoned? And how is he saying not to be anxious about anything? So you can imagine the cognitive dissonance that they'd experience because they're seeing who's writing to them and the situation that they're in, and they're confused in a way, right? And this is how we respond to it. When, when we see someone who's going through something difficult and they're saying that they're depending on God and that they have this peace, like it doesn't fully make sense to us, but we know as Christians that it is doable. It is something that God gives to us as his children for those who have accepted Christ. And the peace of God, which which transcends all understanding, and here's what that does, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> so what does that mean? So if what he was doing, this is Paul, what he was doing was spreading the gospel, right? It can be very easy to see all of these trials, all of these tribulations, all of these different difficult circumstances, and make him waver in his faith, in his belief about Jesus. Like, Jesus, is it, is it really worth it for me to be risking my life, to be in prison, to be beaten, all of these things? Is it really worth it to do all of this? I mean, that that's, that's a question that we would even ask in our own situation. Like, Lord, is it really worth it for me to go through this difficult situation and you're asking me to express the fruits of the spirit. I, I know you live in me, but it's so hard because there's this war of, of the flesh and the spirit. And sometimes it's hard to um, develop these fruits of the spirit that you develop in us. Um, I don't know if it's worth it, like kind of asking these questions, right? You're asking these questions about your faith, but this peace that God gives us guards us against believing that God is not trustworthy, right? We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because we're talking about every situation. In every situation, do not be anxious, right? Because anxiety produces in us doubt, doubts about the present, doubts about the future. And who's in control of the present and who's in control of the future? God is. So once we understand that, and even though things look bleak and dark and impossible right now, that I trust God's character because he is good, that he does have something better. And believing in that, right, presenting those concerns and those requests to God, believing in the character that he's um, consistently demonstrated throughout time, I can trust that he will be providing whatever it is that I need, right? It may not look the way that I want it to look. I don't think Paul um, imagined that he would be writing letters from jail. You know, I don't, I don't know. But when you serve Christ, he was ready to take on whatever would come his way because he also had a past, right, where he persecuted Christians. So, um, you know, every once in a while, I'll think about, and I, I think I've talked about this with a couple of friends, just the idea of, I wonder if Paul ever dealt with shame and guilt from uh, from his past, because obviously he, he persecuted Christians. And um, it's just something interesting to think about, because in Romans 8, 1, he talks about um, 
Uh, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's this understanding that he's also gaining, you know, as he grows closer to Christ. Um, yeah, you know, this shame that I've been carrying for all these years, why am I still carrying it when God has forgiven me of that? Right. And this continual cleansing, right, where you're, you're, you're in the process of sanctification, where God is shaping you and molding you into Christ's image. So when we're able to bring our anxieties and concerns to God, he is able to work in our lives and provide a security and a peace that maybe sometimes we don't even understand. Like, how, how do I feel this way, this calm in this difficult situation? And it's not always like that, by the way. You know, there's this aspect of our humanity which speaks to that I can feel peace some days, and then other days I don't feel as peaceful. But in general, I have this overall peace that God is present and that he is good and that he does have something in store and better for, for us. When you're going through a difficult situation, there's this sense of trust that we start to develop in Christ because we're seeing him act and move things in a certain direction and drawing us closer to him because that's his goal to draw us closer to him right so <clears throat> if you can think about now the how different attachment styles may respond to difficult situations today we're just talking about the anxious attachment style but a secure attachment style would look at the situation and accept it and understand it and then start to pour into those three areas that I've been repeating and I'm going to keep on repeating them, right? Prayer, God's word, Christian community. Like those three things start to give you an overall understanding of how God relates to us, right? There are people in your life that God has used to meet certain needs that you have. And if you're not looking for that, you're going to miss it. So when it talks about that, the, the peace of God, you got to be looking for it. Where is the peace of God here? And you have people that are meeting your needs and you have people who are checking in on you and you have all of these different things going on in your life. And those are ways in which God is trying to protect us and is meeting the needs that we actually have, not the things that we want, though he may give us sometimes what we want, but he wants to provide us with things that draw us closer to him. And oftentimes that is suffering. Suffering pushes us to our comfort zone, whatever that is. Sometimes it's a good thing. If it's God, it's a good thing. Anything else can be a bad thing. Um, and what I mean by that is that we don't all cope in healthy ways when we're going through struggles and tribulations. So what is that thing for you? Think about it. What do you turn to when you're suffering? What, what do you get involved in? For me, it tends to be just to be busy, right? Um, and it's not avoidance. I, I think I've, I've processed that to a point where I'm not avoiding things. It's just when I do have free time, I try to fill it with something. Um, now I'm trying to find times of relaxing, and then I have to have my time with the Lord at some point throughout the day. And I have to find it. You have to make time for that, wherever that is. It can be in the morning, it can be at night, it can be in the middle of the day. For me, it's when I can get that in the day. Sometimes it is in the morning. Sometimes it's at night. Sometimes it's the middle of the day. Whatever it is, I just know that if I don't seek that out, it's going to affect how I feel in my anxiety, in my relationship with God. But usually, 
it's more secure, especially this past year where it's really been shaping my trust in God. So where are you in regards to all of this? How is your attachment style to God? Here are some, <clears throat> some tips that I want to provide on how you can manage your anxiety in your relationship with God. So one of them is understanding how do you relate to God, right? How do you relate to God? How do you see him? Do you see him as distant, harsh, uninvolved, um, not dependable? Like, how do you see God? Like, just be really honest about what it is that you currently feel. And then you can kind of trace back into your history why you feel that way, right? So you may have a history of, you know, uncertain and unclear relationships that you don't know really where you stand. There's always questions about, well, am I really wanted or not? All of these things. And then same thing with your parents, like, were they able to meet my needs? So does that mean, is that why I can't trust God to meet my needs? So explore that. Explore that history. Okay. If you're secure, again, what it's going to look like is that you can feel anxious, but you can have that peace of understanding, you know, this is not a good situation. I hate that I'm going through this, but I know that God is good. And I know that he loves me. And I know that he's going to um, shape this out in a way that brings honor to him. Right, so that would be kind of a secure response to that. And anxious attachment style will look at a situation and say, "I got to do, I got to do something to fix this. I got to find a way to make this work." You know, I, I need God to be content with how I process this, and I need to do it right, and I need to make sure that it's done this way and that way. Like, there's this overperformance that kicks into gear so that we can please God. And pleasing God is not the issue; it's what is driving that desire to please God. It's anxiety. Right. So the anxious needs to learn how to let go of that control. Right. And kind of just take a step back and like, OK, I'm trying to control everything. How can I just wait and see how God responds to this? OK. The avoidant is obviously going to do things on his own. He's not even going to think about God because God is not dependable. Again, people in their lives were not dependable. So I'm going to find a way to fix this. No one's going to bother me. I'll find a way, right? This this hyper-dependence on self. So they'll hit something that where they won't be able to manage it, and maybe that can push them back in the direction towards God. I need God in this moment, right? So again, different styles. Understanding your attachment style to God is one part of managing your anxiety. The second thing is to practice prayer and thankfulness, okay? Practice prayer and thankfulness. Pray Whenever you have the, you know, for me, I always think about it this way. If I'm having a conversation or if I have a concern in my mind, I start talking to God in that moment when I'm not engaging with someone else. And sometimes even when I am engaging with someone else, I'm processing, I'm thinking through things. My Lord, you know, give me wisdom here. How do I discern this? Is this person being truthful? How do I manage this situation over here? Right. So I'm talking to God about all of these things. So that's an aspect of prayer, right? It's communicating with God. Okay. And then allow for God also to communicate to you through his word. So practice prayer, practice thankfulness. That's been a big one because sometimes I think we look at our lives and we only look at the things that are negative and it's hard to be thankful for that, right? Like even with suffering, I've often thought about it where should I be thankful for suffering? Like, should I be thankful that I'm going through the situation? Should you be thankful for the trials and tribulations that you're experiencing? I don't know. 
I don't know if you be think if you should be thankful for that specifically. I think what you end up doing, or what we end up doing, is being thankful that God is still good. Like I can be thankful for that, that that God has remained true to his character. I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful for the blessings that I received in my life up until that point. I can be thankful for that because that is life. Life has its ups. It has its downs, ups and downs all throughout life, right? It almost, for the anxious attachment person, actually, um, one of their main concerns is that when things are going good, their body and their minds already prepares for, oh, something's something's going to happen. I don't know why, but I'm feeling like something's going to happen pretty soon. And then when it happens, it's kind of like, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's very interesting. But... <clears throat> This, this idea of um, where do I, what, what am I, should I be thankful for, right? Be thankful for the blessings that God has provided for you in your life and look for them. Put right down a list of the things that you're grateful for, right? And remind yourself of those things. Um, I was listening to a man on social media speak and he he gave a really good illustration, which I wanted to use and I will be using um, often, but he he's talking with this guy doing this interview and he says, okay, look look around the room, and I want you to find something that is um, red. So he looks around the room, and he finds, okay, I find a couple of things that are red. Okay. And then he tells him, okay, go ahead and close your eyes. And the guy closes his eyes. And he says, tell me, what did you find that was blue? And he's like, uh, he didn't know what to say because he wasn't looking for blue. Right? And then he said, okay, open your eyes. Now look for things that are blue. And he looks for things that are blue, right? And he's looking, okay, so he finds him. He says, okay, close your eyes. Tell me something that was yellow. And the guy couldn't make out because you're going to find what you're looking for, right? And in the same way with life, if you're only looking for the bad things, then that's all you're going to find. If you're looking for the blessings and where God has been present, then those are the things that you're going to find. Focus on So I think that's an aspect of thankfulness, Right. Be thankful for those moments when God has been has blessed you. Right. And even in that moment of suffering, you can be thankful that God is present there with you, that God is walking alongside you as you're suffering, that he is there with you. And I'm sure that's what uh, the Apostle Paul felt even as he was in prison, that Jesus was with him. Right. And he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the Christians there in Philippi. Right. Um, two more things here, honesty and vulnerability, okay? This building a deeper relationship with God through honesty and vulnerability, like share with God how you actually feel. He's able to understand what you're going through. It's not like you're going to surprise him with what you're going through. Like we feel real emotions, real confusion, real anger, real bitterness, real um, doubts. Like we experience all that. Why not share that with God? Right. Well, I don't want God to know that. He knows those things already. You know, it's not something that we're going to really hide from him. And it's very freeing. You know, Lord, I'm just frustrated. I just don't get this. I don't get how this is working. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but I want to trust you. Teach me how to trust you. Right. So that honesty and vulnerability with the Lord can make draw us closer to him because he's willing and able to receive that and then comfort us with his word. And then lastly, letting go of past attachment wounds, 
Okay, there are a lot of people, and oftentimes, you know, if you're a Christian, there are going to be people who are Christian or who call themselves Christian who may have hurt you throughout your life. And those people who have hurt you, we may associate that pain with God allowing that to happen or, or uh, presenting that, those people in our lives, to make that happen, right? And we blame God for, for those situations and for those people. And why did you allow that to happen? You know, I was really close to them and then they hurt me and, and here's this other relationship and that hurt me. And, you know, Lord, everything's, everyone always hurts me, right? So we start to develop this narrative of everything associated with God is going to lead to a wound of some sort. Right. And then when you're going through suffering, it becomes even more real. See, Lord, I told you it's going to be, you know, I told you it's going to be this, another wound, just to add to the list. But letting go of those past attachment wounds is key. Now, remember, this process of letting go doesn't mean to forget. It doesn't mean to that it's just going to happen in one day, two days a week, whatever the case is. It's not going to be like that. letting go of past attachment wounds means forgiving other people for the hurt that they've caused. That's what it means. And forgiveness, um, one of the professors here at Liberty, Dr. Kim, he does a, a lot of research on forgiveness. That, and he talks about it as it's not it's not one and done. It's not like you say, I forgive this person and that's it, right? Because you're still, as a human, you still have memories. You still have things that you're going to start thinking about. You're like, oh, that gets me mad. But again, you you choose to forgive. You choose to forgive. And that is so important as you're trying to develop a secure attachment with God, because those past wounds, especially if they were Christian, um, it's going to naturally cause you to associate that to God. And yet we can also distinguish and separate God's character. And we should be able to distinguish God's character from the actions of other people. God is good. Everything that he does is good. Every intention towards us is good, even in the midst of suffering. And that is what we learn here from Paul when he's talking about not being anxious about anything, right? That that peace that God is going to give us <clears throat> as we pray to him, petition him, be thankful for things in our lives and make our requests known to him, that he will give us a peace that will protect our understanding of who Christ is and our minds because our minds can trick us, right? Especially when you have an anxious attachment, like it can make you think all sorts of things. But this dependence guards our hearts against believing the opposite of who God is. So, as we wrap up here and think about, you know, how does this apply to my life? Again, just choosing these verses and expanding on what does it actually mean if we're trying to heal in our relationship with God. And I hope that this new format, that you liked it. Again, if you did like it, please let me know. Shoot me an email, a direct message, comment on the video. Um, I really do want to hear from you guys and see how you guys um, felt about this new format. And I'm going to continue to do this. I think this is episode 76. And um, all the way up to 100. We're going to get there. And I'm excited about that too. So hopefully this was a blessing. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next week. Take care, guys.